Shit, I'm never like, you know it's special pack it with the automatics, we gon' set them to have it. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, woo! Welcome back, guys. Tom Kayad here. Fitness and Conditioning Strategies 101. This is part two. Last week, we talked about frequency and intensity. I mentioned that when you increase the intensity of your training, the frequency and duration must come down. I want to finish with a few points before moving on to the next part of the Fitness and Conditioning Pro Series. Number one, the data. The data from scientific periodicals, if you look for it, I'm telling you right now, there's a guy named James Fisher. You can look him up. Uh, there's a couple other guys too. They're talking about in recent studies, one to two days per week is all you need to stimulate the muscle for growth and strength. One day per week, one to two days. For me, one day seems incredulous. All right. However, having said that, I trained somebody years and years ago, one day a week. And this person made steroid gains without taking steroids, like 25, 26 pounds in about three months. Now understand, this person was also undernourished. This person also didn't train on a regular basis. So when you introduce uh, proper nutrition and you introduce weight training for the first time and the person's of a decent age, so he was about 28, 29, 30 years old, he flew with one day per week. Now that day was brutal. That day was brutal training and he actually stayed with us after the workout so I could make sure that he ate. And boy, did we ever feed him. That was every week for 12 weeks. He grew like a monster. So that's the one thing. Personally, I think two days per week is um, a little more feasible. Having said that, you take a person who's never trained before and you give them the one day per week, maybe that's all they need. You can take a well-trained individual and give them one day per week. And I'm sure that if I did that, I'd maintain my muscle mass. If I knew that I wasn't going to grow any further and all I had to do was train one day per week, would I do it? Yeah, I would do it. Now, what they're suggesting is you can actually put on muscle and strength. Man, I want to see some more studies and I want to give it a shot myself. Number two, in the studies, they say that the type of equipment that you use is not overly important, whether it's machines or free weights. I've done it bo both ways. I've done free weights. We're talking about military press with barbell, bench press, incline press with barbells, rows with barbells, squats, barbells. And to me, I flourished with them. Later on, I decided in seeing Dorian Yates use a lot more machines and with the advent of better machines like the Icarian machines, Cybex, um, some other really good machines, I started venturing into the machine route and I noticed even better results because I didn't have to focus on balance. I could focus solely on strength. So the article seems to suggest that it doesn't matter what you use, whether it's machines or free weights, you can still make progress. The type of equipment, not overly important. Having said that, I'm doing bands now and I'm seeing big improvements. The third thing they said in the study is the number of sets. They're saying keep it at one set per body part, which doesn't seem like a lot, you know, eight to 12 reps. Having said that, Dorian Yates went with one set per exercise. If you take a look at his leg routine, he had leg extensions. So sure, he warmed up a little bit. He had one big set of leg extensions, and then he had a leg press, and then he had a hack squat, and he was done. 
I remember seeing him in Toronto someplace where he did this seminar. It was awesome. Somebody asked him, how many sets for calves do you do? How many sets for biceps do you do? And he said, I do one set of biceps. He said he did, I think, two sets of calves, one standing and one seated, and that was it. His number of sets were minimalist. This study suggests that it's one set per body part. I think the main thing here is the infrequent training is going to provide the growth. That's my experience. Now, um, interestingly enough, I've done the two days per week with some really, really good results. I've done three days per week. I've keep, kept the workouts abbreviated. I've kept the sets very low. It supports the data. Unless you try it yourself on all cylinders with your sleep right, your food right, you're never going to know. Personally, I think it's completely worth the experiment. What about Arnold? Arnold Schwarzenegger swore by the six days per week, two hours per day. Now understand something. During his powerlifting days in Germany, if you go way back to those days, he didn't train a lot. He was huge. Arnold Schwarzenegger was probably just as big as he was later on in his bodybuilding career. So here's one thing that he did. His off-season, he didn't even take steroids half the time. And on those days where he wasn't training for a contest, I had heard anecdotally that he would go into a gym and run the rack on shoulders. He would do a whole bunch of um, lateral raises, you know, heavier weight, drop down to a lighter weight, drop down to a lighter weight, do it one more time, and then finish off with a final set and then just walk out of the gym. We're talking about a 15-minute workout and he was done in his off-season. So here's a guy who started taking steroids, started getting big knowing he had a contest in 20 weeks and he already had some fat on him so when he trained of course he was going to grow with taking the steroids he was going to get an instant anabolic effect number two the training frequency helped him get leaner i have no doubt that the training frequency was just there to shape the muscles to get rid of the body fat in fact he could have been doing something else like sprinting or smashing logs, cutting wood for that matter, and he would have gotten leaner. I don't necessarily think it was the two hours a day in the gym. However, you combine the steroids, you know, especially after not taking it, after a long layoff with training, you're going to see a result. So Arnold isn't the best example. However, what ended up happening was guys like Weeder and their magazines why wouldn't they say you needed to train more often? That would promote getting the pre-workout supplements, the protein powders, the arginine, the alanine, all that kind of stuff. It's a big business to get people to believe that they need to fuel those workouts with um, certain supplements. Now, another example is Kevin Lavroni. I want you to look up Kevin Lavroni, Kevin Lavrone, L-E-V-R-O-N-E. Type in off-season and see what he looks like. Numerous times in his career, he looked scrawny, like an average man. And then, during the on-season, when he competed for a contest, he would say this. He would say he would grow into a show. Well, no shit, you're going to grow into a show. So you've got this um, cornerback football-type body. And then what you end up doing is you start taking steroids. You're already pretty lean. Of course, you're going to grow into a show. 
all right? And he could afford to put in that volume as well. Nobody grows into a show except for guys who are taking steroids. And these were the role models we were looking at who were espousing these long workouts. Well, of course, they could work out long and hard, you know, two hours a day, six days a week, because they were facilitating their growth and shortening the adaptation phase by taking steroids. The purpose of going into the gym is to stimulate growth. That's it. You break down the muscles and you fuck off. Day two is to facilitate recovery. Now, the third day off is to facilitate adaptation and new growth. So what people do is they'll do a workout on Monday. They stimulate growth. They take Tuesday off and they feel like, okay, I've got my day off. I've recovered. I'm ready for day three, which is the Wednesday. They don't realize, yeah, they're recovered, but they haven't fully adapted with new growth. Why would you fuck that up? To me, it makes total sense to break down the muscle as efficiently as possible. Turn on that switch in which adaptation is stimulated. Recover the next day. And if you haven't made a lot of inroads in terms of, you know, breaking down your body, then the recovery is going to be a little bit quicker. And then you allow for that adaptation and new growth to occur. That's when you know if you've progressed, when you go back to the gym and you're bigger and stronger. Now, we used to train six days a week, two hours a day. And we'd take a week off because the university was closed. And we'd come back after sometimes even two weeks. And we realized we were stronger and we were making huge gains after two weeks. But the research seems to suggest that after a week, there's a detraining effect where you atrophy. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Then it was, well, there's muscle memory and you gain it back. I have a feeling that we were overtraining, grossly overtraining. And when we realized that back in 92, I think it was, and started training more high intensity with a lot more days off, we started seeing the growth that created like massive muscle growth, massive strength increases. So local muscles recover within 48 hours to 72 hours. But systemically, that's not the case. When you go in two days later and you're still tired and you say, I don't feel it, don't bullshit me and say, you know, don't be a tough guy. How many times have you encountered that? I've encountered that all the time. Then you give yourself a week off and you go into the gym and you feel like a million bucks. There's a reason for that. Um, yeah, I got fooled. Workouts from um, 2011. I worked out on Monday and Friday. I just asked my buddy, my workout partner, and this is like, I said, do you remember the workouts? And he said, yeah, Monday we trained chest and back for about an hour and we shot the shit throughout the workout, but trained hard on those couple sets that we did. On Friday, we did legs. And then we allowed arms, biceps, triceps, and shoulders to be done any day we wanted. So I was training Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I was doing more of that bro split where I was only training each body part once per week. Now, nowadays, I like to train each body part twice a week as the research has suggested. But back then I was making massive gains. And then what ended up happening was getting into the diet mode, getting ready for a competition. You start doing more, you start riding the bike, you start going on the treadmill, you start going for walks, you start decreasing your calories. And I actually shrunk just as most natural bodybuilders do. But boy, did I ever get solid before the contest. At that point, my arm was 18.6 inches, unpumped, flexed, 
18.6 inches for a guy who's 5'10 and natural is fucking huge. And that was all through Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, probably two and a half hours a week. All right. So then I got fooled. The volume approach. This is what I heard. I think his name was Carrillo who said, you're not overtraining, you're under eating. So what I did was I just started eating more, eating more protein, thinking that I could continue to overtrain. And I got to tell you, I don't think I made any significant progress. I kept my body lean. I kept my body strong. I didn't make any progress doing this German volume shit, training five days a week for an hour, pushing it hard, uh, you know, doing 10 sets of leg press. Um, It didn't work. Doing 20 sets of shoulders. Come on. What a waste of time. So there you have it. Anyway, what is the purpose in the gym? Is it a social scene where you get to walk around and chat it up? Is it to get a pump because a pump feels cool? Is it to, you know, look in the mirror and see how good you look? Is it to walk around and have pissing contests with other dudes? Is it to gawk at the girls? To me, progress is everything. And if it means one or two times a week for 20, 30 minutes, damn it, that's what I'm doing. If it means training at home, so I avoid the distractions, all the better. So many punks at the gym anyways, so I'd rather not be there. Punks and posers. Today, we're talking about prioritization of training. So what are we talking about here, Tom? If I were to write a book on exercise physiology, I would have to write based on overarching general scientific principles. One of those principles is train the biggest muscle groups first in a given workout. Everybody knows this. So um, if you have an upper body push workout as part of your routine, that would mean you're training chest, then shoulders, then triceps. And biggest muscle group down to the smallest. And that's the exact sequence of the workout. Chest being the biggest muscle group. It gets trained first. For a full body workout, the general principle would be it's quads first, then hamstrings, then back, then chest, then arms. Sorry, then shoulders, then your arms. Again, you're locked into a generalized principle because that's what the book's supposed to write down. People reading this type of book want to be by the book. They want to do things right. I did exactly this. I was a student of science when I started out. (laughs) One year into training, my chest got massive. My back got big. I looked like a cobra. My shoulders, not so much. Why? Because I didn't specify training shoulders. The book said that's not what you do. Um, That's just the way it was. Now, a friend of mine noticed this and said, he commented, Tom, your chest is massive. It looks like Lou Ferrigno's chest. Professionally speaking, I want somebody to look at my physique and say, it all just flows. I'm perfectly symmetrical. Nothing stands out. It's just the body as a whole looks great. Knowing what I know now, if I were to coach myself back when I started, I would have catered uh, the scientific principles exactly to my needs instead of following a generalized thing. Following the generalized principles regarding the order of exercise messed me up. I was 16 years old. There's very little content out there. A few magazines here and there, and maybe a book in the library. My shoulders were narrow, so my focus should have been on shoulders. My back width was good, but my my focus should have been on back thickness. I didn't focus on traps at all, and you could see uh, the difference in lack of development. 
How does this apply to you? What do you look like? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? So when you build your weekly routine, look at your body. Consult a professional, consult a coach, and have that discussion. The question should be, what are the goals for my physique? What are the body parts that need to be brought up? What are the body parts that you would like to accentuate to create the best look for you? What are your genetic strengths and limitations? Let's take an example of a client I had who was 5'10", 180, which is pretty much my situation. Um, although he, this guy had big legs, way bigger quads than me. He had big quads, big glutes, strong hamstrings, lean legs, weak calves. His abs were decent. His back was massive. His chest was good, as were his traps. The shoulders were decent. The arms were a little on the smaller side. The goal was to balance his physique. So what do you focus on? According to science, according to these books, we need to focus on leg, legs and back as the two biggest body parts. Those were already his strengths. So do we want to make this guy look like a fucking frog? Do we want to make this guy look like a bear in the back? And have these skinny, skinny, scrawny, little stringy arms? No. If we were to focus on those areas at the beginning of the respective workouts, we would have completely blown his body out of proportion. His shoulders and his arms needed to be bigger. That's where we focused on the most. Shoulders were where we started for quite a while. We blasted his triceps to bring them up. We also trained chest as part of this workout. The routine consisted of side laterals first. We then went to shoulder press, which usually tends to develop the uh, front of the deltoid, but because we already pre-exhausted the side deltoid, that part of the body became the weakest link when doing shoulder press. So we further accentuated that width and thickness of his shoulders. What ended up happening over a few months was his shoulders started looking huge. Okay, now shoulders are a showpiece body part. When you have wide shoulders, you're gonna stand out. That's exactly what happened to my client. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it evened out his back. It didn't look stupid anymore. His arms also got bigger. That's another showpiece body part. By focusing on his shoulders and arms, we completed his upper body to much better match his massive back. He didn't look awkward anymore. Now, I mentioned before that this guy had great legs up until his calves. Genetically, I knew this. His calves inserted pretty high up. He was never going to have big calves. But what we started to do was seated calf work as well as some uh, heavy standing calf raises and we brought them to respectability. What do you do with the strengths? What do you do with the legs? Believe it or not, this guy didn't even need to train legs. They were that good. Instead, our goal for his legs was not growth, but instead we shifted to a higher rep range for squats, leg presses with decent weight. This leg workout was the last workout in the training cycle. We gave it the least priority and we did a lot of reps to burn fat off his body. <coughs> that workout alone expended a shitload of energy and we got him ripped as a result. Leg day was quote unquote cardio day for him. And understand his legs, because they got leaner, even though they were massive, they started looking even bigger because they were so lean. You saw it every single muscle in his legs. We did the same with his back. We didn't want his back to get massive and disproportionate. So we focused on higher reps. And this workout also became a bit of a cardio workout. Two days of the cycle, leg day and back day had more of a cardio focus to them. 
We're also uh, able to back off the intensity on those days. So when we focused on the parts that needed to be brought up, we had tons of energy resources to train hard to build up those desired parts. Doesn't that make sense? This once again is called prioritization of training based on the individual. You're not going to find this in a generalized physiology book. You need to talk to somebody who has experience and who can look at a body objectively. And you also need the client to say, I'm in. With this said, in my opinion, having judged contests, the best bodies are the ones with an X frame, wide shoulders, good arms, small waist, bigger quads. That's where the X comes from. From the backside, a wide back stands out good hamstrings. So you train accordingly. If you want that X frame, you focus on the exercises that are going to give you that X frame. If your shoulders are already wide and you have low insertion points on your triceps, an example of a guy like that would be John Cena. His tricep muscle is thick right at his elbow joint. He's got like good genetics in his arms. This type of guy, he already has an X frame. John Cena looks massive front view. So where do I start with John Cena's frame? I mentioned John Cena because everyone knows John Cena. Look up John Cena if you don't, and you're gonna see his physique from the front. He looks narrow from the uh, side, by the way, but from the front, massive front view. What do you do with his frame? Like I said, if you look at his side view, he's not as thick as he is wide. I would focus more on middle back thickness. I would focus more on chest thickness as well to balance the width. I would also make sure he stayed lean in the waistline to create that V taper. Because these guys are famous, you can recognize them a bit more and see their strengths and flaws. Case in point, Brock Lesnar. He's a beast. You've seen him in WWE, you've seen him in UFC. Massive chest and back, huge traps, especially when he was younger. His body is disproportionate as a result. I'm not saying it looks bad, it looks scary, but it's not the most aesthetic look. So where do you do, where do you focus on changing Brock Lesnar's physique? Well, again, if you don't know who Brock Lesnar is and you've been sleeping under a rock for all this time, go online, look up Brock Lesnar attitude era, and then look up Brock Lesnar UFC. You might see different versions. Look up Brock Lesnar currently, and you're going to have three different versions, but they all have the same problem. I would build up his delts. I would bring up his arms. I would do nothing to further develop or activate his traps. They're too big. His chest, I would make the least of his priorities. Um, you do not train his chest for hypertrophy. You do not train his back for hypertrophy. How much bigger can you make a chest and back? How much bigger can you make his traps? Higher reps for that. Again, now you're not going to do 30 reps, but I wouldn't go mass building uh, reps. I would definitely focus on the arms and I would definitely focus on the shoulders. I don't think he will ever fix this physique, ever. Okay, building muscle takes a long time and he's older now. When he was younger, maybe it was possible. With a guy like this, who's this big, I would lean him out a big, uh, more because his heart needs to carry a lot less than 280 plus pounds of muscle and frame. If he were at 250, Leaner, that would be less stressful on the heart. Now, Brock's cardio is not bad. He's a freak in a good way. But in terms of living until 100, if I were him, I'd try to make some changes. So 
the purpose of this particular podcast was to think critically when it comes down to your physique. Construct your program based on your needs. Analyze your body based on its strengths and weaknesses and your goals to achieve what you want. All programs should focus on individual needs versus relying on a generalized scientific principle. So where you structure your weekly routine, there's actually careful thought that goes into the design of the program. Now, if I were listening to this podcast and want to discuss where you can take your physique, get on my Zoom call. I've mentioned this before, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m., and say, hey, Tom, this is where I'm at. Where do you think I need to focus? And we can just chit-chat it up. I can give you some guidance. I can give you some support. Um, It also gives me content to help others. I record the sessions. Um, Take advantage of the free help. It gives me content as well. It's a win-win situation. Come say hello and let's get on your A-game. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Subscribe, share with your friends, and be sure to check out the Ultimate Men's Playbook available now at Amazon.com.